Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture reading this morning is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we hear the words to trust and obey. We come in this place trusting you, O Lord, trusting that your Spirit is amongst us. But even as your Spirit is amongst us and is poured out upon our very heads and upon our hearts, we trust, O Lord, that it would fill our hearts, our lives, and transform our souls so that we might go forth from this place trusting and obeying not just as hearers of your word but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. So a few years ago, I was on a mission trip in Buchanan County, Virginia. That's way over in the western part of the state. That's as far west in Virginia as you can get before you get into Kentucky. And we were there in Buchanan County and right outside of that in the town of Grundy, Virginia, which is just a big wide spot in the road, if you will. And we were there and our goal was to work on Sarah's trailer. Way back in the holler, Sarah lived in a single wide trailer that needed a new roof and a foundation. And so on Monday morning as we packed up the church's 15 passenger van, those of you that know what those look like, that's really like a suburban that's a bit wider and a bit longer and it has tons of seats. And if you take them out, it's got great storage. So we're planning to get this behemoth of a vehicle on the road, and they gave me turn-by-turn directions. And so it says you go down the highway, and pretty soon you're going to come to route such and such. Take a right off the four-lane. That should have been my first note 
that when they referred to the highway as the four lane, that it was not going to get better from that point on. So take a ride on the route such and such, and you're going to go down that, and as you drive down that, you're going to turn onto such and such a street. I thought, well, that's not bad. I mean, a, a highway to a route to a street, not bad. And then you're going to get there, and as you ride along that a mile or so, should have been my next indicator, you're going to come to a dilapidated bridge over a stream. Cross the bridge. Okay. And then you're going to go along. And so, and then about a mile or so after that, take the next street, the one by the red house. Now, you've noticed that my directions have gone from really high-quality road to ambiguous. So did the road. A wonderful, well-maintained, federally funded highway to an uh, okay state highway to a municipal road to we're not really sure what. And we're riding along the road after we turned right at the Red House and we'd gone from wonderful asphalt to hard pack to gravel to something that's less than gravel but not quite dirt, whatever that is. And we're along there and the next thing we know there's a sign that says, End State Maintenance. I thought we ended that when we turned off the four lane, but anyway. So we're there and we're sort of, okay, great. And about the time we passed that, the road got a little rougher. It wasn't nearly as smooth. It was a little wobbly. It sort of had some ruts and waves in it. And then we came to the sign that said, Rough Road. And almost as soon as we passed that sign, the road that had been about a vehicle wide all of a sudden became a half a vehicle wide. And I'm in a 15-passenger van, so we bulldozed our way through. The road was rutted. It was washed out gravel. It was really soft. There were a couple of spots where we got a good bounce. The kids in the back thought it was great. I was worried about the shocks. I don't really know why. They don't have shocks in those vehicles. But we did that and we kept pressing on because our goal somewhere up in the holler at the end of the rough road was Sarah's trailer. How they got it there is a whole nother set of miracles. We'll talk about that another day. But we got that and we were not deterred because we had work to do. We had our mission in front of us. Our mission was to get to the end of the road to Sarah's trailer to help her have a home that would be warmer, safer, and drier. So every day we took this adventure. The same twists, the same turns. We always chuckled at the sign that said rough road because it really was. But yet it didn't stop us. We pressed on. You know, sometimes I think in the season of Lent, we're reminded that we're to sort of take some time out and to focus on our faith life, to focus on our relationship with God and examine our faith and how we might use it, how we might employ our faith when we run into those proverbial or metaphorical rough roads in our lives. You know, those twists and turns that happen when life is not quite the way we thought it was going to turn out. See, in our text today, Jesus sort of gave us some examples and really gave us a marker of how we could deal with that. You know, he's always, as you know, when we read with Jesus and he's sparring with the Pharisees, usually they're trying to trap him. They're trying to trick him into saying something blasphemous. But for whatever reason, today they changed their spots, didn't they? 
instead of trying to trap Jesus, they were worried about him and they went to him as he was doing his ministry and they said, Jesus, uh, you need to get out of town. You need to go someplace safe. It's about to get really rough around here. And Jesus sort of looked at them and they said, you know, Herod is on a war path. Herod wants to find you and kill you. He's after you. So you might want to change what you're doing for a little while. But Jesus' response to the Pharisees, as always, sort of counteracts where they're going. He basically says to them, look, I've got work to do and I'm doing it. So thank you, but I got this. His response teaches us as well how we might encounter and move forward when we run into those rough roads that happen in our lives. He shows us how we too can face that rough road and persevere. See, in the exchange, he shows us that when life gets rough and the road is rough, that what we might want to do is we might want to flee, but our faith can be our weapon. It what allows us to stand even in unsure ground because we've got faith to stand upon. So one, instead of just running when the road gets rough, in order, Jesus encourages us to stay and stay in the struggle. The second thing we see Jesus did is he rebuked Herod and he rebuked the Pharisees. He basically challenged him to say, I've got this, I know what I'm doing, and I challenge Herod to follow through with his plan. In other words, Jesus is not scared Matter of fact, he wants to take ownership of the situation. And third and finally, he says, we must continue to press on. He tells us that we've got to continue to fight. Remember, he said to them, I'm doing this ministry. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it tomorrow. And I'm going to do it the day after. Because it's what I am called to do, who I am called to be, no matter what. As we think of our lives, we know that it's not always a bed of roses, Right? Some days it's rainbows and sunshine, and other days it's floods and waters and rough roads. And sometimes when we're faced with that adversity, we want to just climb back in bed and pull the covers over our heads and say, I can't deal with Monday at all. Maybe Tuesday will be better. And other days we just want to fold up our tent and fold up shop and pack it in and be done with it and to just avoid that rough road altogether. But Jesus taught us, he came and he taught us that we came to have life abundance, what he said. Remember he said, I came that you would have abundant life. And so this abundant life that Jesus wants for us is even in spite of the rough roads that we find ourselves on. He says, if we want to live abundantly, we can't just quit when the road gets to be a little rocky, when there are ruts and twists and turns, and maybe it's narrower than we want it to be. Had a soccer coach growing up who told us that we should always give 110%. Now he said, those of you that are mathematicians, you know that that's really not possible. But he says, but think of it like this. Put everything you've got into the game, win or lose, give 110%, put your whole heart into it. And whether you win or lose, at the end of the game, you cannot hang your head because you've done your best. Don't just quit on yourself and your team when the score is going the other way. See, I think that's what he was trying to tell us. I think what my coach was trying to tell us is the same thing Jesus is telling us, that when it gets tough, don't just back down, don't just quit. Instead, stick around and stay in it. Stay the course even when the road is rough because there's goodness at the end. I'm at the end. 
I'm with you always. A friend of mine named Sally, she's had a tough year in her family. Her father had a stroke some months ago, and it was bad enough, and they were really worried about what was going on with him, and so he had tests, and they realized what had happened, and as it turns out, over time, between the medicine and between procedures, he's in great health. And about the time that he was given his ticket to drive again, was able to get around the way he wanted to and not dependent upon his daughter or his wife to get him from place to place, his wife was diagnosed with cancer. And so as she began the cancer treatments and the radiation and the test, they see the light at the end of the tunnel, that she's got one or two more treatments and she'll be cancer free. And they're looking forward to that day. And just as they began to take a deep breath and see that the sun was shining once again, my friend is diagnosed with cancer herself. As she wrote it, she says, it's a club that I choose not to join. It's a club that I wouldn't want anyone to be a part of, and yet here I am in this club, but I am not going to let this defeat me. I am not quitting now because I know that God has got a purpose for me in my life and for my family, and it's God's strength that's going to allow me to fight and keep going. And so even though she is wrestling, and even though she is contemplating treatments and what might come, she's not letting this rough road in her life keep her from her destination. She's not letting this rough road hold her back, but instead she is pressing forward because she is not going to back down and just climb in bed and pull the covers over her head, hoping that maybe tomorrow will be better. Because today there's something for her as well. So as I think about that and what Jesus was teaching us, it pins the question, what are the rough roads that you and I are facing in our lives? Why are, what are the things that make us tempted to quit and to pack it in and call it a day? But isn't, if that's the case, isn't this the time that you and I lean on our faith, that we recognize that no matter what road we're on, that it leads us back to Christ because Christ is pulling for us. Christ wants abundant life for you and for me and for all the world around us. So no matter what that road is, let's take the first lesson that we learned when the Pharisees spoke to Jesus. And he says, oh no, I've got this. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm not stepping down. But when we're faced with the rough road, sometimes it's not just enough to take a stand, is it? Sometimes it's not just enough to say, this will not defeat me. And other times, we need to rebuke what it is that threatens us. The Pharisees, they called out to Jesus that Herod was the one, that Herod was coming after him. Remember what he said, I love this line, you tell that fox. Jesus was sitting there basically telling the Pharisees, you take it right back to him. I'm going to call him a name. I'm going to own it because I am not going to let him stop me. You tell that fox. See, psychology tells us that when we want to really face our fears, that when we name them, when we name the things that we're afraid of, the things that give us pause and that vex us, that when we name them, that we actually change the power dynamic about that fear. We know then what we might be afraid of. And because we can name it, we actually own it. We actually change that and it cannot own us. Instead, we can go on the offensive against the things that threaten us, against the rough roads in life. If you've talked to anyone that has ever been a part of a 12-step program, one of the great things that they do when they start their meetings 
as they go around the room and they introduce themselves and they tell why they're there. They name their addiction, they name their affliction, they name what vexes them. They do this for two reasons. One, so that everybody understands that we're all on an equal, we're all on an equal value. That that's the common denominator that draws that circle together. But the other reason why they name it is so that it will not have power over them, but that they seek power over it. So as we think about the rough roads that we are facing in our lives, what are they? Can you name that rough road, that thing that it seems to be rising up against you that causes trouble in your life, that which vexes you? Maybe it's a spiritual malaise. Maybe it's an inactive faith. Maybe there's an incongruence between who you want to be and what the world sees of you. Or maybe there's trouble at home or at work or at school. What, happens, what would happen if you named that trouble, that thing, that, that rough road that you're traveling down, if you could name it for yourself and for those around you? What happens when you name it so that you can turn away from it and to begin to move past it, to move past that sign and onto the road that Christ wants you to be on? You see, that's what we learn when we're faced with those roads to realize that we've got to take a stand to name what our fears are, but then to begin moving forward. See, Jesus did that. He did those exact same things. And so when he told Herod, you tell that fox that I'm here today, tomorrow, and the day after, and that I'm going to be healing and teaching and lifting people up and drawing them closer to God, he's doing that because that was his calling, what God wanted for him and who God wanted him to be. How often have you and I faced adversity, and even when we know what it is, we know the rough road that we're traveling, but yet we're paralyzed by fear. We're paralyzed and not able to take a step forward because while we might be able to name it, we still haven't really realized that God is calling us to push past it. See, Jesus teaches us to stay focused on our calling, on what our calling in life is. It's a sense to be mission first to keep the main thing in our lives the main thing. And it's when we do that, when we're focused on who God calls us to be as individuals, who God calls us to be as a community, who God calls us to be for our world, even on those proverbial and metaphorical rough roads, that when we stay focused on that and we begin to really focus and lean in on that work, that we get past the rough patches that we're able to go forward. See, if we had stopped in that van when we saw the sign that said rough road or when the road narrowed, if we had stopped then we never would have gotten to the end, but we pressed forward in the van because we knew what our role was, to get to the end of the holler to help Sarah in her home. When Hurricane Floyd roared ashore in eastern North Carolina some years ago, the waters rose and small towns throughout eastern North Carolina were flooded. The town of Seven Springs was one such town. It had several homes and businesses and a Methodist church. And as we built relationships with that church, there was a lot of concern about were they going to rebuild the church or not? Were they going to clean up the inside of the church where the flood waters had ruined the floors and the walls and the pews? Were they going to restore the church to its former glory? Oh, but what I loved is what that community did. 
The church members, while they were worried about their church home, their church building, they realized that the church was not just the building, that it was really the people. What you and I learned so many years ago when we did that little child's game, like here's the church, see the steeple, open the door, they're the people. See, they realized that they were the church, and so what they focused on in this hour of adversity, on this rough road, is they focused on rebuilding their neighbor's homes, rebuilding their neighbor's building businesses first. Why? Because if they rebuilt the community, then there would be time to rebuild the physical church building. So while the waters rose and ebbed away, the rough road in their community they conquered because they rebuked the will to give up. They rebuked the self-centeredness that some folks might see to restore the church. And instead, they restored the community. And in doing that, they stayed focused on what God had called them to do and who God had called them to be. So where in our lives might we be facing similar adversity? Where might we be facing the rough roads that sort of stymie us and hold us back and sort of threaten us to not move forward? If we looked at those and if we decided to move forward to be the people that God called us to be deep in our hearts, focused on that mission, how might that change the outlook on the world? If we stayed focused and active in practicing and living out our faith, how might we change the narrative that the world sees and hears because we stand against the winds of adversity. We travel along the rough roads of life because we're focused on the goal, our relationship with God. Sometimes you and I, we travel each and every day down different roads. Some days those roads are going to be smooth and wonderful, and other days those roads are going to be rough. But if we really realize that all the roads lead us back to God and all the roads lead us to the cross, that even when the road is rough for us, if we stay focused on what God wants for us, that we would stand up and not flee from the adversity, that if we would name the things that vex us, that if we would work and stay focused on our calling as disciples of Jesus Christ, then we will get past that rough patch and that we will change the world around us and be the people that God calls us to be. And we will set an example for all the world. So as we leave the doors of this place today, we will drive out onto 5th Street or 4.5 Street or 4th Street, wherever you parked. And we will take various roads and our lives will take us different places. And as we rise tomorrow, I hope the roads that we take, even when they become rough, that we know that we have a God in heaven that wants abundant life for you and for me and for all of us. And in doing that, to stay focused on that and not to flee, not to give up, but to name our fears, name our adversity, and to push through and to be the people God has called us to be for all the world around us. Amen and amen.
Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.